Thank you, brothers and sisters. Heavenly Father, it is well with our souls because Jesus saves, because there is victory in Jesus, because we have life eternal through believing in your name. We thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for the opportunity we have tonight to gather and to look at your word in the middle of the week. We pray for all of the ministries going on around the church campus tonight for students and boys and girls and all of our Bible studies and all of us as well here tonight. May we truly have an opportunity to hear your word and may it be clear for us what it is you want us to learn and understand tonight as we seek to walk and serve you. Forgive us of our sins and we pray that tonight might be a good night for us, whatever our day has brought to us. We pray that you might help us to bring our thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ, and focus now our thinking on your word. Thank you for the wonderful chance to be together for a while together in fellowship around your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, again, good to see all of you tonight. We're in Exodus chapter 4. Those of you joining us online, I know that there are a number of you who have shared with me that these days you're going to be at home, and we're praying for you, and we miss you. We thank the Lord for you. Stay well and be encouraged. There are also copies of the outline if you'd like to have that tonight. We continue to think about Moses, a man who heard from God. Moses, a man who heard from God. <clears throat> the detail, uh, the elements of detail in the book of Exodus are quite amazing. In fact, you have uh, 40 chapters in the book of Exodus, and tonight you'll see again this, the detail of how it is that God prepared Moses to be a man to do his work. And our focus tonight, what I'm going to use chapter 4 to, there are many lessons that we can learn, but tonight the primary lesson that I want us to take time to think about is this, that God equipped Moses to serve his purposes. And the same is true for all of us who are here tonight who are born again believers. Uh, those of us who know Jesus Christ, God equips us uh, to do the purposes, to serve his purposes for our life in this world. <clears throat> so tonight, we first of all, I think it's good for us just to read God's Word, and uh, then we're all on the same page, so we'll just read uh, Exodus chapter number 4. Exodus chapter number 4. Then Moses said, so we're, we're now in the middle of Moses talking with God about his mission. And God began to speak to him about his mission, as we know, out of the burning bush, he revealed who he was, he revealed his name to him, uh, and he uh, calls him. In fact, the mission is in Exodus 3.10, Therefore come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh, so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. Then Moses said, chapter 4, verse 1, What if they will not believe me, or listen to what I, have, what I say? For they may say, The Lord has not appeared to you. The Lord said to him, What is in your hand? And he said, A staff. Then he said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. But the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand and grasp it by its tail. So he stretched out his hand and caught it. And it became a staff in his hand, that they may believe that the Lord, the God, of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. The Lord furthermore said to him, Now put your hand into your bosom. 
So he put his hand into his bosom, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Then he said, Put your hand into your bosom again. So he put his hand into his bosom again, and when he took it out his, of his bosom, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you or heed the witness of the first sign, they may believe the witness of the last sign. But if they will not believe even these two signs or heed what you say, then you shall take some water from the Nile, pour it on the dry ground, and the water which you take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. Then Moses said to the Lord, Please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither recently nor in times past, nor since you have spoken to your servant, for I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. The Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now then go, and I, even I, will be with your mouth and teach you what you are to say. But he said, Please, Lord, now send the message by whomever you will. Then the anger of the Lord burned against Moses, and he said, Is there, is there not your brother Aaron the Levite? I know that he speaks fluently, and moreover, behold, he is coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You are to speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I, even I, will be with your mouth and his mouth, and I will teach you what you are to do. Moreover, he shall speak for you to the people, and he will be as a mouth for you, and you will be as God to him. You shall take in your hand this staff which you shall, with which you shall perform the signs. Then Moses departed and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Please let me go, that I may return to my brethren who are in Egypt, and see if they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. Now the Lord said to Moses in Midian, Go back to Egypt, for all the men... Uh, who were seeking your life are dead. So Moses took his wife and his sons and mounted them on a donkey and returned to the land of Egypt. Moses also took the staff of God in his hand. The Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders which I have put in your power. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I said to you, Let my son go, that he may serve me. But you have refused to let him go. Behold, I will kill your son, your firstborn. Now it came about at the lodging place on the way that the Lord met him and sought to put him to death. Then Zipporah took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and threw it at Moses' feet and said, You are indeed a bridegroom of blood to me. So he let him alone. At that time, she said, You are a bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. Now the Lord said to Aaron, Go to meet Moses in the wilderness. So he went and met him at the mountain of God and kissed him. Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord with which he had sent him. 
and all the signs that he had committed him to do. Then Moses and Aaron went and assembled all the elders of the sons of Israel. And Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. Then he performed the signs in the sight of the people. Verse 31, So the people believed, and when they heard that the Lord was concerned about the sons of Israel, and that he had seen their affliction, then they bowed low and worshipped. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these words, and may the truth of your word set us free, and may we have the Holy Spirit as our teacher tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, such an interesting chapter, chapter number four, as we, as we see now Moses having clarification from God about what he's to do in his mission. But we also see Moses, even himself, uh, though he is seeking to be obedient to the mission of God, forgetting to do some of the essential things God has already given uh, to his people to do. And one of them is this strange experience that we have of uh, Moses' wife uh, circumcising their infant son in order to protect Moses from uh, being uh, killed by God. So we find these words very interesting, and what I want to point out to you tonight are three very, very important truths, and then from these we learn a couple of things about for ourselves and for our lives as believers. First of all, we look at this historically because Moses, this helps us understand Moses, the man of God. It helps us to understand all that Moses uh, was required to do by God and also to understand Moses' mission. The essential purpose of Moses' mission leads us to salvation in Jesus Christ. Without the work of Moses, without his receiving the law, without his delivering Israel from Egypt, the Lord Jesus would not have been born. This is very important. <laughs> so our Jewish, uh, our Jewish lineage as followers of Jesus, though uh, most of us in this room, if not all of us, are not Jewish, uh, we have this reality that the nation of Israel uh, plays very prominently in our salvation. Uh, the Lord Jesus himself being Jewish, all the apostles Jewish, Therefore, it is our heritage and all that we have. As the Lord said, salvation is of the Jews. So we find in uh, chapter 4 these interesting things. Number one, God equips Moses with signs and wonders to show the people that God has sent him. So we'll talk for a moment about that. Then secondly, God equips Moses with a partner, his brother, in the work God sent him to do. He didn't have to go do it alone what do we learn in the book of Ecclesiastes? Two are better than one. Two are better than one. What did the Lord Jesus do when he sent out the disciples? He sent them out two by two. When he sent out the 70, two by two. Two are better than one. Two are better than one. And then we see also that Moses obeyed God and spoke to Israel and the people believed his message. This is quite interesting because when you see this, um, when you see this in its context, you find that this challenge is that Moses is now going to generations that did not know him. Remember, he's 40 years uh, or somewhere around 40 years in Midia, in, this, uh, in Midian, in this wilderness place. So over 40 years, a lot of people died. A lot of people are gone. Multiple pharaohs have come and gone. In fact, we see in this chapter that the Lord says to him uh, in verse 19, the Lord says, 
to Moses in Midian, go back to Egypt for all the men who were seeking your life are dead. So from Pharaoh to all of those other Egyptians who were after him because he killed uh, the Egyptian, you remember that part of the story at the beginning, now we find Moses ready to go. Now we find Moses receiving from God his final instructions. Well, let's think about this for a moment. I do want to point out Moses uh, continued throughout God's call on his life to question his ability to do it. And so I've, I've related it to you in four different instances. If you have the outline in front of you, chapter 3, verse number 12. First God said to him, Therefore come now and I'll send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? He was right in understanding that... <clears throat> what he misunderstood before. When he killed the Egyptian, he was trying to take things in his own hand. He was trying to do God's work on his own power, but now he's, he's come to a sense of humility. I don't think this is a reluctance. I think this is a statement of humility. I think Moses is being humble and saying, I, I'm not, who am I uh, to be the one who could do such an unbelievable work? But God says to him in verse 12, certainly I will be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that is that that is that I have sent you. You have when you have brought the people out, you shall worship God at this mountain. So God reminds him and assures him, I'm going to be with you. What I send you to do, you'll be successful at doing. And oh, by the way, you'll be right here, back here at the mountain of God, Horeb, the mountain of God, uh, with the children of Israel. So there is a great promise that God gives to Moses in his humility. This reminds us, my dear brothers and sisters, of the promises of God to us. The Lord Jesus gives us our great promises in the New Testament and all the apostles' words, all of the great promises of God, all the promises yet to come that are in the Old Testament about the Lord Jesus' second coming. The great promises of God tell us about the future. As I mentioned to you last week, God shares His secrets with His people. And here Moses is with this, he's a man who heard from God. Look at all of this conversation that, we're, we're, that is recorded by Moses for us between himself and God. Then, in, uh, then he, uh, he says also, as he goes along, he talks to him again about, so when I, when I go to them, Moses says, behold, I'm going to go, verse 13. Now, when they say to me, uh, what is his name? What shall I say? And this is what we saw last week, verse 14. You say, I am who I am has sent me. Jehovah God, Yahweh God has sent me. The God who is always present. The God who never leaves us, never forsakes us. And God, though the Israel believed God had forsaken them, we're reminded that God did see their sufferings and knew about it. In fact, in chapter 2, it came about, this is verse 23, that in the course of those days, the king of Egypt died and the sons of Israel were in bondage and God heard their groanings, verse 24, and God remembered the covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and God saw the sons of Israel and God took notice of them. Sometimes I think we think in our lives, well, where is God and has God forgotten about me? Some of you may be in that condition tonight, whether you're here in this room or listening to me 
uh, online. The reality is God hasn't forgotten you. God knows exactly where you are. God is not unaware of the circumstances that you face in your life, nor I face in my life. He is very much aware of what his children are going through. And then he comes to chapter 4, verse 1, and he says, So what if they will not believe or listen to my words? Uh, that I, what, what, what if they won't listen to what I say? For they may say, the Lord has not appeared to you. So again, think about this. So here's, here comes Moses back from his uh, 40 years of being away, and now he stands and says to the elders of Israel, uh, look, I'm back and God's appeared to me, and I am here uh, to lead you out of Egypt. Think about just how that would sound uh, when the children of Israel hear it. Where, where has Moses been? Where have you been? Uh, how, how do we know that? So this is a legitimate Statement I, Again, I don't think Moses is making excuses. I think he's asking God, as we all do sometimes, well, Lord, this is what you want me to do. Well, how is this going to help? How is, how is this going to happen? What will I do? What will I say? What will they believe? So Moses is trying to understand his mission and his purpose. And so uh, we'll get to God's answer. But again, that was his third uh, a concern, And then the final one was about his speech. In 4.10, Moses says to the Lord, Please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, and neither recently nor in time past, uh, nor since you have spoken uh, to your servant. I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. He describes his own limitations. And so we have this, this matter of, First of all, who am I? Do I deserve to do this? Can I do this? Well, God says, no, I'll do it through you. Uh, he says, well, who do I say that you are? How, do I, how am I going to declare to them who you are? And God reveals himself to him and reminds him that he is Yahweh. Uh, and then he says, of course, as we've said, how will they know? And God's going to now give some signs to him, a power to do signs and miracles and wonders to go along with his declaration of what he has come to do, that is to deliver Israel. So let's look at this matter of powers. And may I just say this to you, you find this uh, throughout the Word of God, that when God is about to do a great work of salvation, when God is about to do a great thing, his work is, his words are confirmed by God's power, by wonders and miracles. Wonders and miracles uh, were a part of the apostles' work as the, as the gospel was established. Once the gospel is established, I'm not saying that there are not miracles and powers, but apostolic miracles and powers uh, were associated with the apostles as they went to preach the gospel to people who had never heard it. They did what Jesus did. They healed. Uh, they, people were brought back from the dead. These, these acts of the apostles because it showed their connection to the Lord Jesus Christ. And as the Word of God was established, uh, we pray and we ask God to heal and do miracles, and He does them, but He does them in a different way as we call on Him in prayer. Uh, and so this, this importance of signs and wonders becomes greatly powerful in the book of Exodus, because here we find that Moses is going back to uh, pagan Egypt, 
with all of their mystery religions, with all of their ideas, with all of their sorcerers whom we will see as we go along, and all their magicians, and all of their black magic and demonism that was tied into their worship. And so the power of God is seen in these works of God, these powers that God gives to Moses. And it authenticates God's Word. Listen to me. When people talk about doing miracles on their own as if that's some great thing and it's not tied to the gospel and to the truth of God's Word, you can mark down that you're dealing with someone who's a false teacher. You can mark it down. So this is very important for us to learn this and understand that God gives Moses power to do three signs to demonstrate that God has sent him to Israel. Well, let's look at these for a moment. First of all, it is the power of his shepherd's staff. So we read this uh, back uh, before uh, in uh, chapter 3, verse 1. Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Well, every shepherd has a staff. We all know that. That's, what, that's the standard tool that a shepherd takes with them. Using it for a, the tool is very effective for a lot of reasons. So now we see uh, that uh, Moses says, so, uh, you know, how will I know? How will I, how will they, what will I say when they say, well, uh, the Lord, we don't believe that God's appeared to you. And so what does the Lord say? Verse 2, well, what's in your hand? So as God equips us to do our work, it's, he, he gives us, He uses the things that are closest to us, most associated with us. He says, what's in your hand? He says, it's, it's a staff, a wooden staff. He said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground. It became a serpent and Moses ran away. I would too, wouldn't you? You throw it on the ground, this thing turns into a snake. But the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand and grasp it by the tail. So he stretched out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. That the, then God is saying to him as he takes it by the hand, that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared to you. The staff turning to a snake and back to a staff demonstrates the power and the certainty that he has come on behalf of God to speak to them, the true God. Then we see the power of His hand being changed, from, uh, turned to leprosy and then back to uh, good flesh. And so the second sign is further, you put your hand in your bosom. So now it's not what's in your hand, but take your hand itself, a part of your body. And so He put His hand into His bosom and while it was in there, turns leprous. And then uh, seven, the Lord says, uh, put it back in there again. So he takes it out. His hand is leprous. And then he puts it back in and his hand turns back to flesh. If they will not believe you and heed the witness of the first sign, then they may believe the second sign. So he has this. So it's not only the staff in his hand, but look, his very body. God diseases his body and then transforms it, heals it miraculously. There was not one person who would see a leprous hand who would not have fear. Leprosy was a horrible, terrible, disfiguring, you know, uh, flesh-eating disease. 
terribly, terribly bad. Still in some parts of the world when it's not properly treated, horrible leprosy. So first, what's in your hand. Secondly, your hand itself. And then he goes on and talks about the water of the Nile. If you read down there, you, you'll notice it says, if they will not believe or heed these two signs, then verse number 9, uh, then you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on dry ground, and the water which you take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. So the Nile River, as we most of us in this room have studied geography of some kind, the Nile River, you see the, the tributaries that come off of that massive river and it is used for farming. And you know, if you look at uh, satellite pictures of the desert arid area all around Egypt, but there is lush, green, green, beautiful plants and life all around the Nile as they irrigate out from and take the water from the Nile. It's life. The, 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 children of the, the children of Israel were there in Egypt and the Egyptians as well as the children of Israel enjoyed the life that came from the Nile River. And now it is this source of life that comes from the water that he takes out and pours on dry ground. And what does it become? Life-giving water becomes blood. These three signs are very important. They will have powerful effect as we'll see as we talk about these miracles as they're done in the presence of Pharaoh in the days ahead. But for tonight, we see then that God gives him the shepherd's staff. And it's, oh, by the way, called, it's called the staff of God. Let me just chase that down for you for a moment while we're thinking about what's in Moses' hand. You read it there in chapter 4, verse 20. Moses took his wife and his sons and mounted them on a donkey and returned to the land of Egypt. Moses also took the staff of God in his hand. We also read in Exodus chapter 17, verse number 9. We read in Exodus 17, 9. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose men for us and go out and fight against uh, Amalek. And tomorrow I will station myself on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So this staff that was simply his tool became the staff. The staff of Moses became the staff of God. That's the way God equips us. The things which seem to be most common to us are used by God in order for us to do what God wants us to do. So think about these, uh, these three powers that Moses has. He has the staff of, now the staff of Moses has become the staff of God. He has his hand, which miraculously can be diseased and then healed of an incurable disease from that day and time. And then you have the water of the Nile becoming dried blood on dry ground. So these powers God gives in order to confirm God's authority and power in the world and His authority and power over Pharaoh. In chapter 4, verse 17, you shall take 
in your hand this staff, and with which you shall perform these signs. So Moses carried his staff all the days of his life. Moses carried in his hands the staff of God. The staff of God. Well, we see in chapter 10, verses 1 and 2, and I've given you the quote here about the importance of the power of God is confirmed by these signs and wonders that Moses and Aaron will perform. Go to Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I may perform these signs of mine among them, and that you may tell in the hearing of your son and your grandson how I made a mockery of the Egyptians, and then I've underlined it for you, and how I performed my signs among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. So in this day of, in the day in which the Egyptians lived with all of their magic and magicians and sorcery, now we find the man of God taking the staff of God and appearing before Pharaoh to do miracles that cannot be overcome by the sorcery and the witchcraft and the demonism of the Egyptians. On this very point of the staff of God, it's just interesting. I'll just take you on a quick journey here. I'll just uh, read this. You've got in uh, chapter 7, verse 12, you, the staff swallows up the other staffs of the magicians. We'll see that later. The staff turns the Nile into blood in chapter 7. Uh, the staff of God uh, is pounds the ground, and uh, in uh, chapter number eight, Moses is told to pound, the, hit the ground with the staff, and the staff uh, produces gnats, and the magicians couldn't do it, and the gnats were everywhere. Wouldn't you love to be in a place where there are just gnats all over the place? The staff. Uh, is raised and the winds are stirred from east to west in chapter 9. And the staff is raised over the Red Sea and it parts. And the staff is raised in Exodus as the battle rages on. And as Moses holds his arms up with the staff of God, uh, they prevail when he drops his arms. They do not, so his arms are held until they're victorious. Sadly, Moses took the staff and hit the rock when he was not supposed to do so. And because of his disobedience, Moses died in the wilderness. He did not go to the promised land. So it's important for us to use the tools that God gives us in the way that God has given them to us and not to abuse them or misuse them in our own lives. So God equipped Moses with signs and wonders to show the people that God had sent him. Secondly, God equipped him with a partner. So remember now, we've learned earlier on that Moses is born a Levi of the tribe of Levi, of the priestly tribe. He has a brother and sister, and so now here we have Aaron who comes on the scene. And you'll notice here that Moses is complaining again or, or concerned that he doesn't have the ability to speak. And God does remind him, look, I've made your mouth. I can do whatever I want. I can give you the ability to speak in ways that uh, you, you wouldn't know otherwise. But then the Lord is angry with him in verse 14 and says, Is there not your brother Aaron the Levite? And I know that he speaks fluently. So God provides him with a partner. It's always good for us to do ministry together with somebody else. 
Those of you who are married, I hope that you've experienced that as Pat and I have. Doing ministry together is such a blessing. Two are better than one, as I started with tonight. Uh, a threefold cord, what does Solomon say in Ecclesiastes, is not easily broken. That's why we do this as the church. You're not an independent contractor for God. Sometimes I talk to our people and listen to them talk about what they're trying to do for the Lord, and it's almost as if they're doing it on their own like they're doing it solo. We don't do solo. We're God's people together here. We do what we do together in order to accomplish God's purposes. And oh, by the way, we all need each other in order to do the work God's called us to do of sharing the gospel, discipling people, and ministering to others in the name of Jesus. We do it together. So here's this wonderful picture of, of uh, Aaron <clears throat> coming and being provided. He will come to you and meet you, verse 14, and you'll be glad in his heart. Who knows how long it's been since Aaron saw his brother Moses who was out at the mountain of God. And you're to speak to him, verse 15, and put words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and his mouth. And I will teach you what you're to say. You remember what the Lord told the disciples when they first went out? He said, don't be afraid when they haul you into jail about what you're going to say, because I will give you the words to say. Now we have it a little easier for us, don't we? We have the words of God in print, and we have the Holy Spirit as our teacher, and we have preachers and teachers to help us. And as we learn, we learn what to say. We learn the words of God from the Word of God. But here we see this beautiful picture of Aaron uh, and his brother, the two brothers, the two Levites, the two sons of Levi are used, the priestly nation of God, the Levitical tribe is used to deliver the nation of Israel. Those who would have no land of their own but God would be their land. God would be their portion. Those who the children of Israel honored as their priests, uh, they, these are the ones who come and do this together. So it's Moses and Aaron. Moses and Aaron. So Aaron is now introduced into this uh, event, this experience <clears throat> of the deliverance of God. We see the good in these men, and we see, their, we see their best times, we see their worst times. Aaron didn't have some good days either. Some days Aaron missed it, as well as Moses. But this is what we learn about how God uses us. By the way, God doesn't use perfect people. God doesn't use perfect people to accomplish His purposes. He uses broken people in whom He can display the power of God in their lives. He uses broken people in whom he can display his power. So God promises to give uh, Moses, Aaron, to, to speak for him in uh, verses 14 through 16. And then Moses told Aaron what God had commanded him to do. Let's jump over. 27. Now the Lord said to Aaron, go meet Moses in the wilderness. So uh, he went and met met Moses at the mountain of God and kissed him. And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord with which he had sent him and all the signs that he had been commanded to do. <clears throat> so Aaron is now informed. He's aware. He knows what to do. And we have our team. The team that God put together <clears throat> in Midian, outside of Egypt, to go back to Egypt, and to 
carry out the work of delivering God's people. What a chore. What a job. They went with the commission of God and the tools God gave them, the powers that He had given them to do it. But they had to go by faith back to deliver the children of Israel and trust God. We have this interesting story of the angel of God, though he's not spoken of, but the idea is when Moses is going now back to Egypt in uh, verse number 24, we find this uh, as we read uh, other places about this, and we read what uh, Jewish tradition says about this, the death angel comes because God was angry because Moses neglected to do something which was a vital importance as a Jewish person, and that is circumcision of your young. This is a part of the Abrahamic agreement. You circumcise your, your children, your, your, your male children. Well, remember now, uh, remember now that the Midianites were the children of Abraham also from Abraham's second wife after his first wife died. So they were very familiar with the Abrahamic agreement and they understood it. So here's a chance for Moses' wife to save him. How could the man, how could the man who was a son of Abraham go back and deliver Egypt with an uncircumcised son? His wife protected him and saved him. So as we go our way, sometimes we do our work and we're ready to do our work for God, but we Forget some of the things God's called us to do that are essential and vital in our commitment to walk with God. So the anger of the Lord was turned away. Verse 26, so he let him alone is a reference to, uh, I believe, the, the angel that had come to destroy Moses. Someone says, well, God had just set up Moses to do his work of saving Israel. Yes, but he disobeyed God. He didn't obey God. It's a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. God's very serious about what He says in His Word. It's, these are not suggestions in the Word of God. They're not just ideas and thoughts for us to maybe sit around and talk about. What God has given us to do, what God has commanded us to do, what God has directed us to do through the Lord Jesus Christ, it, again, how, how real is this? If you do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved, you will go to hell. Now, the modern world laughs at that, but what do they base that on? I believe I'm going to listen to the Lord Jesus, not to the modern man or woman. Who bases it on what? You see, this is the terrifying thing of falling into the hands of the living God. We must obey God and do what God has called us to do. So as Moses is doing this, I love that this is placed here in the story because it reminds us of how detailed the Word of God is to speak the truth about the leaders that God uses in their weaknesses. So wives protect their husbands in so many ways, and here's a great example of how Zipporah saved Moses from death before he ever got out and did his work of deliverance. Now we come finally to this thing of Moses obeying God and speaking to Israel. So we pick up in uh, verse number uh, 29. Then Moses and Aaron went and assembled all the elders 
of the sons of Israel. What a gathering this would have been. We don't have a lot of details that Moses gives us here in Exodus, but he describes, and Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. So Aaron now carries out his role as the, as the preacher, as the uh, deliverer of the words of God that Moses has heard from God. And then Moses performs all the signs in the sight of the people. Aaron also would do these things. Sometimes Aaron has the staff of God in his hands, we'll see in the days ahead. Sometimes Aaron speaks and does the signs. Sometimes Moses, it is, they are a team. They do their work together. It's the same thing. I think about, think about that beautiful story of the wonderful time when the church is worshiping and glorifying God and the Lord says, the Holy Spirit says, set apart Paul and Barnabas for the work I've called them to. And Paul and Barnabas set out on that first journey to share the gospel and plant churches. Two men going into the world with very few resources except the Holy Spirit of God and the gospel. Well, that's all you need. That's all you need. So Moses went to the elders and Moses performed the signs. And then notice this beautiful, wonderful way that we close in chapter 4. So the people believed. The people believed. This was the gospel to them. You understand what I mean. This is the good news for Israel. The good news of Israel is that God has heard. Notice, when they heard that the Lord was concerned about the sons of Israel and that He had seen their affliction, they, they heard the good news. Here's Moses preaching the gospel, Aaron preaching the gospel to these Jewish people in bondage. It's the same as us sharing the gospel with people who are in their bondage and afflictions and they hear it and believe it and they rejoice. And notice, and they bowed low and worshiped. Chapter four, in, chapter 4 begins by God putting the staff of God, rod, the, the staff of God in, his, in Moses' hand, empowering Moses, equipping him, and giving him a partner for ministry. And it ends with the elders of Israel hearing and believing the message of God's men who came to share with them the good news of their deliverance and they bowed low and worshiped God. Well, what do we remember about this tonight, my friends? Three things quickly. God always equips His people for the work He calls them to do. And uh, we read in Acts chapter 1, you shall receive power. Remember when the Lord Jesus was talking to the disciples? It's the same for us today. When you're saved and I'm saved, we receive power. You shall receive power from the Holy Spirit and you shall be my witnesses. The Holy Spirit power that comes. We are equipped by the Holy Spirit in so many ways. So first, we experience the power of God uh, to equip us for our ministry life. And secondly, God equips His people with spiritual gifts in order to accomplish His purposes. You see, spiritual gifts are given by the Holy Spirit. I read to you from 1 Peter. And this is true for all of you who are listening to me tonight. You're all believers in Christ. This is for you. As each one has received a spiritual gift. You have a spiritual gift. It's important for you to know about it and to use it. 
employ your spiritual gift in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And then he gives some illustration. He doesn't give all the gifts, but a few. Whoever speaks is to do, as, do it as one who is speaking the utterance of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. So that in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We use our gifts, as Peter teaches us, so that God will be glorified. And then finally, God equips His people for the work of ministry through pastors and teachers. That's part of my job here. That's part of our teacher's jobs here. Our other pastors here. He gives some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for what? The equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. So tonight as we think about Moses being used and equipped for the purposes of God, think about this. God has also equipped us to carry out His work and to do it. So the Lord has sent us. May we go and may we live in the power of the Holy Spirit and use the gifts He's given us together to carry out the gospel till Jesus comes. Anybody say amen to that? That's what it's all about. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time and your word. Thank you for this good, good section of your word that reminds us of your equipping and your blessings in our life. Bless us now as we go until we gather again on Sunday. May Jesus be honored and glorified in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. Say hello to somebody on your way out. Stay well. Take care of yourself, and Lord willing, we'll see you Sunday. Have a good evening.